You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Here's the truth. Ultimate romantic dreams will only be fulfilled in heaven. It's a love story for God to love the world. It's a love story. Jesus is the bridegroom, eternal bridegroom. He's looking for a bride. And when we're joined with Christ, you have to believe it by faith because it's hard to really mentally process it and emotionally process it in this life. But you have to believe by faith. Every romantic desire that God has put in your soul will be fulfilled in heaven. Some of life's biggest struggles will be heaven's sweetest rewards. Pastor Danny shares how he's had his heart broken more times than he can count in today's message. But the one thing that he can count on is having the ultimate romantic dream fulfilled in heaven. God's story is one of love, true life-giving love that will be found in Christ. He is the groom and you are the bride. No matter your experience with marriage on earth, your relationship with Christ will be the ultimate love story. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Romans chapter 5 as he continues his message, Reasons to Rejoice. judgment in Revelation 20, the great white throne. And people, multitudes stand before the throne of God. And books are opened. And then another book is opened, which is the book of life. It's also called the Lamb's book of life. And it says that whoever's name was not found written in the Lamb's book of life was then cast into the lake of fire. And the lake of fire is referred to as the second death. First death, if you did not receive Christ as your Savior, and everybody needs a Savior, you go to a place called hell. It's a place. It's a real place. Jesus said it's down. It's somewhere down. And at the great white throne, it says that hell gave up the dead, and all the dead stood before God. And if your name was not found written in the book of life, now you think hell was bad, you get thrown into what's called the lake of fire. Listen, I understand why pastors and preachers don't want to preach on this stuff. Yeah, I don't go away with warm fuzzies and say, it was great preaching on hell and the lake of fire. And I have a hard time with it. I have a hard time with the reality based on the truth of Scripture that people will be damned forever and ever and ever. And some people, you know, the Jehovah's Witnesses, I wish they were right. They believe if you're not a saved Jehovah's Witness, at the final judgment you just get annihilated and you are no more. You're not conscious anymore. You're just not anymore. But that's not what the Bible says. The same words that describe eternal life also describe eternal death. In the book of Revelation, it talks about their torment that's eternal, and it goes up forever and ever and ever. I have a hard time with that, but that's what the Bible says. And the one thing that gives me a little bit of comfort 
Jesus said hell was not created for people. It was created for the devil and his angels. Young teenager asked me last night after the message, because it was a heavy message, and they were, had questions, and I sat and tried to answer as best as I could biblically the questions, and they said, well, if hell is created for the devil and his angels, why does God send people there? And here's the truth. Nobody's in hell that didn't choose to be there. You say, what if they never heard of Jesus? You weren't with us in Romans chapter 1, or you forgot, because people will be judged based on the revelation they have. Romans chapter 1, that's what it says. And the creation itself gives evidence that there's a God. And if you start worshiping anything or anyone other than the God of creation, you've already taken a left turn. And you'll be judged based on the revelation that you've been given. And so nobody's in hell today that didn't choose to be there. And nobody will be in eternal damnation that didn't choose to be there. They knew they made the wrong choice. Rejoice because we're saved from God's wrath. But then he tells us, Rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. What is that? Verse I memorized years and years ago, and I pray it often for people. Say it with me. You ready? Here we go. I pray also that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the glorious inheritance in the saints. Now, it's a large subject. I want to just give you some uh, samplings that I think are some of the most glorious things about our future that we have to look forward to. You know what one is? <laughs> We're going to get new bodies, and boy, do we need them. Every birthday, I realize how much I need one. <laughs> I'm telling you. Philippians says that if we're going to have a body like Christ. Now, people say, well, are we going to be individuals? Absolutely. Will we recognize one another? Absolutely. Lots of scriptures to bear that out. Will you have a new body? Some of you, I look at you, you don't need one yet. I'm looking at you, you're looking pretty good. But some of us, you, you've had better days. And I'm including myself in that one. We need a new body. And we're going to get one. But it's not just a new body. It's an immortal body. <laughs> I mean, just sit and chew on that one for a little while. You're going to get a body that's never going to die. Can't kill it. Never going to grow old, and you're going to look good. Never going to look in the mirror again and say, oh, I'd like to change that. No, it's going to be glorious. Everybody's going to be looking. Hey, in eternity, when we're all together, every day, you know, we'll look at each other and say, hey, man, you're looking great today. Say, yeah, so are you. <laughs> yeah, we'd be looking good. It's going to be glorious. We're going to live in paradise. Have you really tried to digest the truth of this? It's just phenomenal. The book starts out with God creating man and putting him in paradise. He lost paradise because he disobeyed God. He sinned. He was kicked out of paradise. And if you know the story, God guarded the way to paradise. He guarded the way. And guess what's in paradise? The tree of life. And God put angelic creatures to guard the way to the tree of life. When you get to Revelation chapter 2, verse 7, it says, Those who have overcome by faith in Christ will get to eat of the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. Fascinating. The tree yields 12 different types of fruit, and it yields the fruit every month. If I don't forget, I'll come back to that point in just a minute because it was a fresh revelation for me. Paradise. Forever. And here's one that's also a fresh 
rhema word for me anyway, every thought in that future world will be glorious. Now, you got to think, think about how amazing that is. Isaiah 65, 17 says, when God creates the new heavens and the new earth, and those of us who are, have put our faith in Christ live in that new world, it's going to be a perfect world, paradise, and it says the former things won't come to mind, they won't be remembered anymore. That cannot mean that God wipes out your memory of the past. Because if God were to wipe out your memory of the past, you wouldn't know why you were there. You'd forget that Jesus sacrificed on the cross as the Savior of the world. No, it doesn't mean you forgot the past. It means it is so glorious that you can't think of anything else but the glory. Revelation 24, there'll be no more death, mourning, crying, or pain. De no more death, no more mourning, no more crying. You'll never cry again, and you'll never hurt again. Never wake up and go, I don't know, maybe I slept wrong. No. Of course, you don't have to sleep in heaven. The best illustration I can come up with, we were in Colorado a couple of weeks ago, and I love to snow ski. And we had a couple of days where the, the, the sky was just amazingly blue. And if you've ever seen anything like this in Colorado, and there was fresh snow, and so there's snow everywhere. And I go all the way to the top of the mountain. Here you are like 13,000 feet, and you're looking out. And it is just absolutely gorgeous. And I'm in the zone, if you know what I mean, if you're a skier, in the fresh snow. And it was absolutely glorious. And for a few moments in time, in Colorado, I forgot every problem I ever had in my life. Most of the problems, pretty much all the problems in my life were back here in St. Petersburg, sitting in one of the three services this weekend. But for a few moments, going down that mountain from 13,000 feet, it was so glorious, I forgot about everything else. That's what heaven's going to be like. Your memory is not wiped out. It is just so glorious. You don't even think about anything else because you're in glory. Mount of Transfiguration, we call it. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up on a high mountain, and he is transfigured before them. And in such a glorious scene and a glorious experience that Peter says, hey, let's just build three houses right here. Let's just live here. He was married. He had kids. He said, forget about the wife. Forget about the kids. Let's just stay here because this is much better than being down there. I think you get my drift. going to be glorious. And then one final reason to rejoice. The text tells us rejoice in present sufferings. There's two sides to this coin. One is you suffer for your faith in Christ. It's a verse I don't get warm fuzzies from, but it is true. It's been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. In other words, God says, here, yeah, i got a gift for you. Not only salvation, but now that you know Christ, guess what? Suffering's going to go along with it. And everybody who's the real deal, no matter who you are, you know to whatever degree it is what that suffering is. Your friends don't treat you like they used to. That's what happened with me when I came to know Christ. You know, you get excluded sometimes. You're in, the, you're in there in the, in the group, and all of a sudden they find out you're a Christian, and all of a sudden they treat you differently. Or for some, it means greater suffering. Some parts of the world, you know, you may get beaten. You may get locked up in jail. They may actually, may actually take your life. And so that's because of our faith. But being treated badly by the world confirms the genuineness of our faith. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, 
they treat you that way, know that they treated those who came before you that way too. You're the same family of faith, and so don't expect to be treated any different than the prophets and the righteous men and women that came before you. That's actually confirmation that you're a part of the right family, that you're headed for heaven. But now the other side of the coin, whether you're saved or lost, whether you're a believer or unbeliever, no matter who you are, uh, we live in a cursed world, we live in a fallen world, and because of that, there's suffering. Everybody goes through suffering. I think about some of the greatest sufferings in life, and one of them that I think about might surprise you. But let me sum it up, and then I'll give you some specific points by just saying this. All the disappointments and struggles of this life will one day be over. And your mind won't go back to it because your future is so glorious. But right now, there's no way to get away from it. You're going to be disappointed. There are going to be struggles. There are going to be disappointments. And some of the deepest, some of those most painful in my life, <laughs> you might be surprised at this first one, romantic disappointment. Mine started in the first grade when Faye moved away. I thought my life was over. I am totally serious. I'm in the first grade, and I was so in love with Faye. I thought she's the woman for my dreams. Wendy's very happy she wasn't. Well, most of the time, Wendy's very happy she wasn't. Middle school, it was Drusilla Lawton. I probably lost count, but I've probably been in love with about 1,899 girls in my life. And about 1,897 or eight of those girls did not reciprocate my affection for them. When Terry broke up with me in high school, I am not being dramatic. I could not eat without throwing up for two weeks. For two weeks. I drank a lot of beer during those days to try to drown my sorrow because I was so devastated. And I was certain Terry was the woman of my dream. Listen to me. Some of you in a marriage, and I'm not trying to call you out. I'm not thinking about any particular couple, but some of you in a marriage, and it, it has not turned out the way you dream. When you walk down that aisle and you think we're going to live happily ever after, and all of a sudden you're not living happily ever after. As a matter of fact, it's, for some of us, it's been awful. And here's the truth. Ultimate romantic dreams will only be fulfilled in heaven. It's a love story for God to love the world. It's a love story. Jesus is the bridegroom, eternal bridegroom. He's looking for a bride. And when we're joined with Christ, you have to believe it by faith because it's hard to really mentally process it and emotionally process it in this life. But you have to believe by faith. Every romantic desire that God has put in your soul will be fulfilled in heaven. And romantic disappointment is one of the most painful disappointments. That's why some of the greatest hits in all the world, some of the greatest songs have been written. And you hear these artists telling us that. I wrote this song, when, and they tell you about a traumatic, romantic disappointment, and yet it produced a hit song. And why is it a hit? Because we relate to it. They sing the song, we feel the pain. And we're encouraged that they felt the pain too. And they wrote the song because of the pain. You're going to have personal loss in this life. Nelson in our church, he was in the last service. He was a pastor in Kentucky for 38 years, same church, faithful. Retired down here, became part of our church. One of the first times I met with him, he and his now wife, he told me about losing his first wife. She died. 
Here's a seasoned saint, a faithful pastor, and he told me, he told me that for a year he didn't even want to read his Bible. The pain, the loss. He missed his wife so much. The loss was so deep and so devastating. But thank God, because he's the real deal, finally he got back up. He got back up, and God renewed him. But, but during those days, listen, during those days, we just had a service here, a memorial service for a lady in our church, and she died tragically. She and her husband used to sit right here on the front row. And she was full of life. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she's gone. She's gone. Tragically. I mean, the pains of this life. My wife and I have an agreement. I'm going to die before her. And it's term life insurance anyway. I got to go by 77. Or she don't get the money. And so she's okay with that. And I don't think I'd survive without her. Other than Jesus, my wife is my greatest companion. Personal loss. And then one I think about way too much these days. <laughs> He's growing old. Pastor Peter, if you know that name, he went to be with the Lord a couple of weeks ago. I went to see him a few weeks ago, and I couldn't see him because he was not in good health. And then I heard he had gone to be with the Lord. I cried like a baby. I cried like a baby. I lost a mentor, and I lost a friend. A few months ago, I was meeting with Peter over lunch, and I said, Peter. And Peter, here he is, 89 years old, 89 years old. And I'm sitting there with him, and I said, Peter, tell me something to encourage me about getting old. And I expected some encouragement. He just looked down. He said, oh, I can't do that. <laughs> I said, come on, Peter, give me something. He said, well, I think Solomon nailed it there in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. And if you know about Ecclesiastes chapter 12, the Spirit inspired Solomon's pen, and Solomon described what it was like getting old. And he said, when you have no pleasure now in these days, <laughs> you long for the days when you were younger. And nothing you can do about getting old. Some things I like about it, most of the things I don't. In our reading this past week, in our Bible reading plan, Psalm 71 was one of the assignments, and I couldn't help but notice especially as my mind went back to in preparing for this message, that Psalm 71, verse 9, the psalmist says, Don't cast me away when I'm old. Don't forsake me when my strength is gone. And then he says in verse 18, Even when I'm old and gray, don't forsake me, O God, till I declare your power to the next generation. That's my prayer. I pray that in my old age I continue to have a voice for God and am a witness for God to the next generation. Well, we're going to bring it to a close. If you say this with me, you ready? Here we go. Heaven will be the fulfillment of every unfulfilled longing and desire of the heart and will heal every disappointment and hurt of this present life. Paul the Apostle summed it up pretty well when he said, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. In one of the letters to the Corinthian church, Paul gave a summary of the sufferings that he had faced in this life. And you look at him and go, man, he suffered a lot. And yet the Holy Spirit inspires him and he agrees with it where he says all the things I went through and all the pain of this life, it's not even worth comparing with the glory that's coming. I don't know if the name Lloyd Ogilvie means anything to you, but Lloyd Ogilvie died June 5th, 2019, not too long ago. He was 89 years old. 
He served as chaplain of the U.S. Senate from 1995 to 2003, but prior to that, he was a local church pastor for many years. He has a string of ministry credits as a pastor and a Christian leader, spanning decades. He had a good marriage. He had a blessed family. But behind the scenes, Lloyd Ogilvie suffered challenges not only of his Christian calling, but challenges just in life. One of those difficult times, he wrote these words. This past year has been the most difficult year of my life. My wife has been through five major surgeries, radiation treatment, and chemotherapy. During the same year, I suffered the loss of several key staff teammates whose moves were guided for them, but a source of pressure and uncertainty in my work. Problems which I could have tackled with gusto under normal circumstances seemed to loom in all directions. Discouragement lurked around every corner trying to capture my feelings. Prayer was no longer a contemplative luxury, but the only way to survive. My own intercessions were multiplied by the prayers of others. Friendships were deepened as I was forced to allow people to assure me with words I had preached for years. No day went by without a conversation letter or phone call giving me hope and love. The greatest discovery that I made in the midst of all the difficulties is that I can have joy when I don't feel like it. And he uses two words to describe that joy. Artesian joy. When I was a little kid, right after my mother divorced my dad, she took my brother and I on a little outing. It was a tough time in life. About a 25-minute drive from our house is a big lake called Lake Robinson. Well, she took us to a part of the lake we'd never been to. It wasn't where they put the boats in. It wasn't where they went swimming. It was way on the other side of the lake. I'd never been there before. And she pulls up off the road in this little area, and she parks the car, and she says, Come on, boys. She gets us out of the car. She begins to lead us down this path right next to these woods. And all of a sudden, we took a turn at one point in the woods, and there's a little path leading right into the edge of the woods. And when we got to the end of this little path, we looked down, and coming out of the ground was this big pipe. And out of this pipe was this flowing water. And she said to me and my brother, go ahead, bend down, take a drink. And so here I am, bent down. I took a drink, and that water was ice cold. And it was so refreshing. I'll never forget it. And then my mother said, you know why that water's so cold? And you know why it's so good to drink? This is, boys, this is an artesian well. And I never forgot that moment. It comes from down deep. And it's a never-ending flow. And some of us need to take a fresh bend, maybe bending of the knee, at the very least the bending of the heart, and say, Lord, I just need, I need a fresh, fresh taste of something only God can give, only God can supply. He's the God of all compassion. He's the God of all comfort. And I just believe by faith what God had to say to us today 
Some people needed to hear, and you're at a point in life you needed to hear that kind of encouragement. Thanks for joining us today to study the Book of Romans here on The Living Word with Pastor Danny Hodges. You can hear this message again or more of Pastor Danny's teachings at our website, ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. We'd also like to encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on the latest videos. If you have any questions, prayer requests, or would simply like to talk with us, feel free to send us an email. Our address is info at ccfstpete.church. Again, that email address is info at ccfstpete.church. Be sure to let us know how we can be praying for you when you send us that email. If you're in or near the St. Petersburg area, we would be happy to meet you in person. We invite you to join us for our weekly church services at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. Check out our website for service times and all the information you need to join us. In addition to our in-person services, we also live stream each service. So don't let distance hold you back from worshiping with us this weekend. Find out more on our website. Once again, that's ccfstpete.church. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to tune in again next time as Pastor Danny continues to teach through the Book of Romans right here on The Living Word.